Gold in the Garbage is our new series coming out of Mark chapter 2. Now, where we left off in Mark was Mark 1, and we had a few different narratives that were happening. Most specifically, there were three healing narratives that we saw in Mark 1. There was the man with the unclean spirit, there was Peter's mother-in-law who was healed, and then there was a man with leprosy that was healed. And that brings us to Mark chapter 2. Now keep in mind, of course, this is a continuation of a larger story because the chapters and verses were all added later by people centuries and centuries beyond what the original intent was. So when we look at Mark chapter 2, it's a continuation. So this is really the fourth healing story in a line of healing narratives. Mark chapter 2. Let's start with obviously verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now this is Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Lord, uh, thanks for your word. Thanks that we can learn from it, we can glean from it, and today is going to change our hearts and push us forward in Jesus' name. We just thank you for this church. We thank you for everybody who clicked play today and is joining us. We just pray blessing upon those houses. Would your peace rest today. In Jesus' name, amen. Gold in the garbage. We are going to be talking about some things over the next four weeks in the book of Mark, chapter 2, that are going to push on you. They are going to push on you as an individual, and they're going to push on us as a church. And I think that that is one of Scripture's most amazing traits, is that when we look at it properly, it pushes on us. It makes us think it makes us realize that maybe we don't have it all together and we need Jesus more and more every single day. Gold in the garbage. So for years, Christianity has been locked in this, uh, this war, this culture war, with basically anyone around us. And whoever's came anywhere near telling us what to do, we say, whoa, that is wrong. We, we will be combative on this issue. 
there's some problems with that. We've created this us and them scenario where we want to define the lines between saints and sinners, between who is acceptable and who is not acceptable, between us and them. The problem is that in creating this militaristic environment for ourselves, we've also allowed that combative heart, that combative spirit to enter the church. So that was nice when it was us and them, here's our lines, you stay there, we'll stay here. But now we've really said, because this is part of our church culture, um, we need someone to fight constantly, and um, why don't we fight amongst ourselves? And here's how it starts coming out, is what does a real Christian look like? Are you, are you holy as I am, or am I more holy than you? We ask these in questions like, what does a Christian act like? What, does a, what, what is appropriate for a Christian to read? What is appropriate TV show for a Christian to watch? What is the right Bible to be using? Well, I think it's, it's clearly the message Bible because it's more poetic. Or I think it's the NIV because that's the most standardly used. Or I like the NLT because it's a grade 9 reading level and most of us understand it. And we've got all of these different perceptions on what the right Bible for the right time is. Or where do you send your kids to school? Do they have to go to Christian school if you're a Christian? Or do they go to public school? And there's a huge fight of people on that. And how long do you pray every day? Well, I pray for 24 hours. That's nothing compared to uh, your 36 hours of prayer, even though there's not 36 hours in a day. And we, we fight about as many things as we possibly can about what makes us more holy, what makes us a real Christian. As long as I can remember, I've been hearing sayings and hearing things in church and even growing up, like, Christians don't act like that. Or we, 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 we as Christians, we don't think like that. Therefore, that's a sinful behavior. And, and there was a measuring stick that was used. And it was seldom articulated, but used based mostly on personal opinion and personal interpretation of Scripture. And that is what we're going to kind of hinge this series on, is this concept of do we redeem something? Do we reject something? Or do we just receive something? So take anything from culture around you, and we look at it, and we're like, well, is it redeemable? Is it receivable, or do we just reject it? It's good, but often we filter through church culture and personal opinion and personal preferences more so than we do Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about this more over the next couple of weeks on how to redeem, reject, and receive and find hopefully more gold in the garbage, more things that Jesus would have redeemed that we're just willing to throw out. Or maybe there are things that we need to reject that we aren't rejecting now. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. And like I said, it is going to push on us as a church, it is going to push on us as individuals, and I would not be preaching if it, I didn't think it was going to push on me too. So our text today 
is loaded with deep thought and side narratives. And I wish we could get to them all, but we just don't have time. So we're going to be looking at two two specific scenarios, two specific individual narratives inside of this story. The first one I want to talk about is the sick guy. So scripture called him a paralytic. So essentially what's happening here is this is a fella who is on a mat and his legs don't work properly. So imagine all of the shame, imagine all of the frustration, everything that would come with this. His his mode and methods of earning a living even would be cut short because he can't get up. So we've got this fella who is in this time frame where there isn't anything to help him and he's got a mat, but he's got friends and so that's helpful. And so his friends think the best idea is to drop him from a roof in front of Jesus. I mean, seriously, the guy can heal people. Why wouldn't we take a guy who needs healing to the healer? And I love that his friends knew that Jesus was the answer. I love that his friends knew that that inside of Christ, inside of this healer, inside of this guy who is doing great things around them, and doing great teachings, and, and there's hope, and, and hope is bursting, and why wouldn't we take him to this guy? And there's this crowd that's being drawn, and people are being stacked in his house, basically, to, to hear Jesus say the words that are the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How, do you, how many of us know that good news will always draw a crowd. I, I, I mean, fear is great, and um, conspiracy theories are fantastic, and they get us really worried, they get us really worked up, but I want to hear hope. I want to hear that something's going to change. I want to hear that there is good news on the horizon. And this is where this fella is sitting. The funny part is, though, that they absolutely wrecked his home. I mean, just imagine the scenario. They show up at Jesus' house. Uh, there's people packed everywhere. They can't get in. They're like, well, we got him here. And Jesus is in there um, teaching in his house. And uh, by the way, is that not a funny thing to think about? Jesus in a house teaching. And scripture indicates that it was Jesus' house. And uh, it's funny to go through some different commentaries on this thought about, well, can Jesus have a house? And we even talked about it at home. Because um, I was telling this scripture to Amberly and kind of explaining it. She's like, well, Jesus didn't have a house. He was poor. I was like, right, right, right. But scripture says that um, Jesus had a house. She's like, well, he can't have a house. He would, he would float in on a cloud. And then at nighttime, maybe he would just like float out on a cloud. It's like, no, 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 no. A human being with a career, with a life, uh, with friends, and uh, he had a house. And so he was teaching in his house. Uh, you can argue that with the different commentators, not with me. Jesus teaching in his house. The guys can't get in. They've got their friend who can't walk. He needs to be healed. And they're trying to figure out, well, how do we get him in there? I mean, obviously, you would go to this stranger's house and cut a hole in the roof and... Um, you would drop the guy that's already embarrassed and in pain. You would drop him from the roof because it's going to be just fine. I find that absolutely fascinating that they would even think to do that. It shows this, though. 
it shows that they had a preconceived idea as to what they needed from God. They had this idea that, okay, clearly what we need from God in this time and in this situation is healing for his legs. He needs to be healed, then he can move on with his life, he can walk, he can have a career, he can have everything that we think is normal uh, for us, therefore that's what he needs. So they drop him in front of Jesus, and Jesus is like, well, that's not what he needs, but friend, your sins are forgiven. How much disappointment would have settled on the friends and even on the man on the floor? My, my sins are forgiven? My si- I, how about my legs, man? Like, help me walk. We do this all the time. We bring to Jesus what we demand is what we need. Jesus, we need to see this. He's like, ah, I've been working on this, though. But, but Lord, um, clearly this is the bigger problem. He's like, the bigger problem is the sin in your heart, and you're forgiven of your sins. It's like, no, but, but, but Lord, I, I have all of this going on in my life. And he's like, but what you need is a clean heart. How much disappointment, how much frustration would have settled on these guys? How about you? Have you ever gone through this where you have been so focused on what you were demanding you needed from God? And you bring it to him constantly, over and over and over again. He's like, that's not what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now is I'm restoring your soul. What I'm doing right now is I'm helping you become a better person. I'm, I'm helping you with your relationships. I'm making, you, I'm making you more soft in the heart. I'm making you your prayer life better. I'm, I'm drawing other things out of you. And you're like, but I, but I need this right now. Growing up with many issues in my life, I have been to more healing evangelists than I even want to count. And it was frustrating, and it was embarrassing sometimes, and I didn't love it. But I kept going because that's what you did. If, if, you, if you had a problem, a physical problem, you went to the guys that were healers, but it never happened, and it got frustrating. And, and I can imagine this, this disappointment as it settled upon the man on the mat and his friends. How about when you came to Jesus? You probably had big expectations about what I needed from Jesus. Were you disappointed? I propose today that sometimes we bring the wrong pieces to the right game. It's like if I was to sit down with you and I wanted to play chess and I had the board sitting out and you brought checkers and you're like, it'll work. I'm like, no, no, man, it's not going to work. You... You can't play chess with checkers. That's a completely different game. It just kind of looks the same. Often God has different plans for us than we realize. But it is up to us to be mature enough to accept God's plans over our plans. Let me say that again. It's up to us to be mature enough as Christians, to let God be God and let his plans be better than our plans because in the long run, it's going to work out so much better. 
the other narrative in the book of Mark chapter 2, as we just read, is the scribes. The scribes are interesting. So this is their first mention in the book of Mark, and they're going to come up next week, and they're going to come up again, and they're going to come up again, and they're going to come up again. So the scribes are experts in religious law. And they're kind of fascinating because they're really, really smart, but they don't get it. They have all this brain knowledge, and they, they knew what the Messiah looked like, what he could do, what his, his modus operandi was. But looking at him, they're like, yeah, but I don't know, man, could you maybe heal him instead? Like, you, you don't really have the authority um, to forgive sins, but why don't you heal him? And they even just thought these things, and Jesus called them out on it. It's interesting that they would argue with God in their hearts. Like, do you ever, are you ever in that place where you, you try to argue things out with God? Like, let's keep in mind, Jesus is God. They're arguing with God about the appropriateness of healing versus forgiveness of sins. Remember, Jesus preached a very simple message. And all, all of what Jesus taught leads us to believe that what he, when he was teaching the word, teaching himself to these people in his house, he was teaching a very simple message of, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come first for your hearts. We will heal you. Healing is a great method to get you to the point where you believe, but I'm here for your hearts. They already showed great faith when they brought the guy in through Jesus' roof and wrecked his house. And Jesus is like, hey, I forgive your sins, man. I'm here for your hearts. I'm here to seek and save the lost. Let's take this um, to a look down on the situation. So you're 20,000 feet above. You are watching the story unfold below you. Passage to Jesus through normal routes and normal methods was disturbed. They did not have what they thought was the best way to get to Jesus right now. So people got in the way. Circumstances got in the way. Probably timing got in the way. The method changed. They couldn't get to Jesus the way they were used to getting to Jesus. They knew who he was. He was already growing in fame. He was a healer. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi in, in Capernaum. They were coming to Jesus. They knew he, who he was. But the method changed on how they could get to him. So instead of getting frustrated and saying, you know what? If I can't have it my way, if I can't get to Jesus the way I want to get to Jesus, I'm going home. Forget this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find my own Jesus. Instead of doing that, they said, look, we're just going to cut a hole in the roof and we'll get to Jesus one way or another. It's going to work. We have been two years of fluctuations, two years of having constant inconsistency in our lives. We had a season where you couldn't buy toilet paper. We had a season where there was giant X's over the things you wanted to buy at the store. And you weren't allowed to buy them even though they were right in front of you. We had seasons where 
where churches were forced online or just shut down. We've had seasons where our kids have been sitting at home doing school. It's not normal. But Jesus never changed. Even in the church world, what we had didn't actually change. It was just our methods that have changed. And for this short time doing this, our methods changed. And for some of you, you love online and you're going to stay there. And I'm good with that because you're still finding Jesus and you're still connecting to a spiritual community. The problem is, is that when we expect that things are going to shift and go back to the way they were, we don't know that. We don't know what the new normal is going to look like. But what we do know is that Jesus doesn't change. Sometimes our methods change. Our circumstances change. The people around us change. Our timing changes. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus loves us and that we can still connect with him. Jesus' followers who are truly united around the fact that Jesus was born He was crucified and died. He rose again and he's coming back. That beautiful mystery. People that are are focused on the mystery of who Christ is will do whatever it takes to get to him. And so we talk about the elements of redeem, reject, receive, even the internet. I mean, gosh, years ago, if you would have said that church is going to just be online, I mean, the whole QAnon crowd would have gone crazy. And I've heard some really funny teachings about the Garden of Eden and wisdom and, and how we're trying to, to get in front of God and uh, to steal all his wisdom through the internet. Like, there's wacky stuff out there. We do whatever we can to get to Jesus. And sometimes we have to redeem things like the internet to get to Jesus. And that's okay. I mean, it's not normal that, that this is all happening, but it was also not normal to cut a hole in somebody's roof to bring your friend down so that he could be healed. That wasn't normal either. But maybe today, conventional and routine methods that we got used to, maybe they made us too comfortable. Maybe they made us a little too cozy. And this is where Christian maturity has a time to shine. I believe that this time in history where we stand right now, that our Christian maturity that we've been bragging about for all these years, it's really put to the test. Are we mature enough to handle this time? Or are we going to crumble, take our ball, and go home? I believe that as C.T. Brandon, as pastors here, that we, we're looking at, a, at this space and time, and God is calling us to something greater. God is calling us as a church to make that decision. Are we a mature enough group of people to handle what's happening? And I would say that for all of Christianity, are we mature enough to handle what's happening? Jesus is still calling us to himself, We are still called to be a group of people who gather 
who build community with one another. Sometimes it's in homes. Sometimes we get to have larger gatherings, and that's amazing. But can we handle it? Are we mature enough to handle it? This is a season where choices are going to depict our maturity. Jesus never left. Maybe we just need to redeem some more scenarios. Maybe we just need to redeem some more methods and decide to push past the obstacles that are in front of us. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And before I do that, I I want to speak to those of you who are watching this. For maybe the first time you're joining us at CT Brandon, hello, my name's Michael, so glad you're here. Should have said that at the beginning. But if you're here for the first time, and maybe you're trying to figure Jesus out, and maybe you aren't quite sure of what you feel and what you believe when it comes to Jesus, but you see scriptures like this, and you, you see these people who are willing to cut holes in roofs just to get to Jesus. And your, your heart is being pushed on, your heart is leaping, and you're, you know that you need to make a decision to start a journey with Jesus. The good news is that today is for you. And maybe you're watching this and you've been in a place where you've been frustrated and you haven't put the care and attention into your relationship with Jesus that you know you've needed to and you've walked away from that a little bit but you're watching this today and there's something stirring inside of you that you know is the Holy Spirit. I want to speak to you two groups this morning first and I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're ready to make that decision to start that journey, I'm proud of you and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I know that things are going to change for you. I know that God is going to be working on your heart, and there is a bright future. So would you just join me in this and just pray this after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died, you rose again, and you live eternally. I thank you that you are forgiving my sins right now, and I repent of those sins, and I want to start a new life with you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please connect with us. There's a place on our website. You click on it. It says, I'm new. Click on that, and we would love to pray with you this week, maybe take you for coffee and uh, get you some resources to get you moving on your way. We've also got some great groups starting that you could join. The other group of people I want to pray for this morning is the rest of you. The rest of you, the us who are sitting here watching this morning and we're in this place in time and maybe we're called to make the switch in our brains to cut a hole in the roof and connect with Jesus on a way that we're not used to. Connect with Jesus in a way that pushes on us a little bit. I told you this series is going to push on us as individuals and as a church And I know that it's going to be good and bear much fruit as we find gold in the garbage. But we're called to redeem some stuff. And maybe for you, it's your attitude towards even just, let's say it, online church. And you're sitting there and you're like, this isn't as good as sitting in a chair. I would rather be sitting in a chair. That's nice, but Jesus hasn't changed and we're here together. We got to make the best of these situations. 
So I'm going to pray for you because I'm in that boat as well. I am totally in that boat. I would much rather be standing in a room looking at a couple hundred people and sharing the word of God. That makes more sense to me. This is brand new. I know that God's using it. I've heard of the people who are getting saved and the lives that are being changed. So I know God's using it. But sometimes our hearts need a bit of an adjustment and a softening. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are calling us to redeem some stuff. You are calling us to cut some holes in roofs. You are calling us to maybe try some different methods and push some obstacles out of the way to come and find you. We know you're there. We know you haven't left the room. And so, Lord God, we pray today that you would just make yourself known in these homes. Make yourself known in my home. Would you give us peace in our houses? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us the maturity to get to the other side? Would you give us the maturity to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, and not put things in front of our relationship with you? We thank you, Lord God, that you are amazing. And Holy Spirit, we are just so glad that you joined us and and you are here in our midst. Would you be with us for the rest of this week? And as we go into a time of reflection and worship, would you continue to speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen.